Good morning. Today's candle is the candle of love, and this time of year we hear a lot about love, but what do we really mean by that word? Do we really recognize what real love looks like? Well, I think I'm in good company when I confess that my lens might be a little skewed on that this time of year because I tend to watch a lot of Hallmark Christmas movies. (laughs) Now, don't get me wrong, I love these movies, but I'm pretty sure in the real world, their formula fails to deliver. Because as far as I can tell, in Hallmark Christmas movie world, if you want someone to love you, the first thing you have to do is be really mean to them. (laughs) Maybe even rude. Because these always start with one character being mean and the other one somehow still being willing to talk to them. And then you need to be forced to be in a place where you have to interact with the other person whether you want to or not. And then at some point there needs to be a snowball fight because love clearly can't happen without hurling chunks of frozen water at each other. (laughs) Next, there has to be a big misunderstanding, followed by some kind of grand gesture, and voila, love. The Hallmark movie formula. I confess, it makes for great TV, if only it worked in real life. Because this year, we've seen a whole lot of failure to love going on in our world. But it's certainly not for want of any rudeness or meanness. Fueled by a year of divisiveness around politics, race, economic policies, even health issues. And then put that together with family stresses when trapped in places where you're forced to interact. And what we've seen as a result is lots of fights. Maybe not with snowballs, but with mudslinging of all kinds. Fights that got ugly, followed by lots of big misunderstandings. But in this season of peace on earth, goodwill to all, our hearts cry out, okay, but now where's the love? Why did the fail-proof Hollywood formula fail to produce? Well, you might have noticed what was missing there. For love to begin in the face of meanness, there needs to be at least one character who's willing to sort through all the meanness and the rudeness and get to what actually is happening in the heart. Someone who will believe there's more to the other person than they see. There needs to be one who, when forced to interact, interacts with respect, good intentions, and grace. There needs to be one who, instead of hurling mud, turn things playful, matching your strength, not defeating, not giving in, just hanging in there until everyone clearly sees that it's time to drop the snowballs and go grab some hot chocolate. And finally, when the big misunderstandings happen, there needs to be one who's willing to be vulnerable, to lay it all down in the grand gesture that shocks the other enough to listen and hear and finally receive love that allows their own love to dare appear in response. Now, if you had somebody like that in your life, someone who counters your mean with patient grace and forgiveness, who counters your fighting by matching your strength, not overpowering, not giving up, until you've exhausted your anger and are ready to lay down arms, who in the face of the biggest misunderstanding that makes you want to turn away and run will lay down everything to show you how much you matter, to prove it, not just in words but in action. If there was somebody like that, this formula would not fail. But love so often fails in this world, beloved, for want of that second character. Because let's face it, left to ourselves, we all tend to be character number one, don't we? 
The one who's quick to anger, quick to judge, quick to dismiss, quick to protect ourselves from all potential threats. And the truth is, all of us character number ones need a character number two to come into our story and help us be the human beings we long to be. We need a love that'll fill us first and help us see what we need to see in ourselves so our lives can start to reflect character number two to the character ones around us. And guess what? We have a hero like that. And he is God's gift, literally. God's promise gift to you and me who comes down for us at Christmas. Jesus, your Savior, is that one who wants to walk every moment of this life with you. And when we spend time with the Lord, when we hear his heart, and we know that we are heard and known and loved by him, even in our meanness, when we know that he believes in us, the mean in us, the hurt in us, the fear in us that so often turns us ugly toward the world is gradually turned instead toward hope, toward peace, toward love. Even love for a hurting world that more often than not will hurt us given a chance. But to love is to choose to be vulnerable. That might seem like an unwise strategy, but the truth is the vulnerability of real love is the greatest power the world has ever experienced. And it's how God, the all-powerful Lord of heaven and earth, chose to reach us by meeting us first right here in our mess and our meanness with his love. Hallmark love is pretty. That's why we like it. So predictable, so lovely. But actual love is much grittier stuff than that. Real love is what hangs on when things are not so pretty. Love is not an emotion. It's a committed action, chosen not as a reaction to what's out in front of you, but as an expression of what's inside of you, who you are, whose you are. True love does not come as a reaction to the world out there. It's a gift given by God that starts in you and finds its way into the world through you and me. But he is the source. And now more than ever, we need a love that won't unravel on us when times get hard. We need the kind of love that never fails, even when things get ugly, even when we get ugly. And that's the love God sent us at Christmas, a love that meets us in our mess right where we need him. So what is it that we need right now? And what does love say to us? Well, I think, first, we need to know, in a world that feels like it's falling apart, that we are not abandoned. Because it's hard to focus on loving others if we feel adrift, right? God's love at Christmas reminds us he is our foundation. In the prophecy of the Messiah in Isaiah 16, we're given a promise. In love, a throne will be established. In faithfulness, a man will sit on it, one from the house of David, one who in judging seeks justice and speeds the cause of righteousness. So no matter what kind of chaos that you're feeling, know there is a king on the throne. And what he wants for you and for the world is justice and righteousness. But because his rule is love, he has patience with our current rudeness and meanness. But make no mistake, he will bring all things to right. The end is not in question. 
in love a throne has been established, and it's been claimed by the one who came to save you. Love says, don't worry, I got you. You have not been abandoned. In the promise of Christmas, God's love says to you, you have a king. And secondly, I think what we need to know for us to truly love is that our salvation doesn't come from us. Because it's hard to even consider others if we're afraid our own standing isn't secure. If we're daily wrestling with our fear, what if I'm not enough? Because every single day, this world piles on us more and more expectations of what we need to accomplish and be and care about and do. And it doesn't take much to discourage and overwhelm us when we realize we can't possibly meet all of those expectations. And even our own most beautiful aspirations can end up feeling oppressive in the light of our reality. But the good news is not that Jesus came to tell us how to save ourselves. Our king who came to make things right doesn't expect us to achieve that. The good news is that because God so loved us, God the Son was deployed on a rescue mission to save us by his act of sacrificial love. Jesus says in John 3, 16 and 17, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. It's not up to you to save yourself. That was accomplished by Jesus. Trust him for that. Because love says, don't worry, I got you. You haven't been left on your own to save yourself. And the promise of Christmas, God's love says to you, you have a Savior. His sacrifice is enough. Love says, his grace is sufficient for you. But then finally, for us to truly love, we also need to know that we matter that who we are called to be actually matters, not just for us, but to God and for the world. That when God created you, he intended you to shine the love that he pours into you into the world. That you are meant to be an intentional expression of his goodness to the world in your own imperfect human way, in a way that by God's design only works when you're not using your own power but his a strand of Christmas lights all shine different colors, but only if every bulb is connected to the cord. It takes a power outside themselves to do what they're designed to do, and the same is true for us. So if you feel like you haven't been shining love for the world in this season, it's probably because you've been trying to be your own power source. That doesn't work very long. If you're feeling all burnt out in the love department, you probably need to spend some time remembering and recharging in the presence and promise of the one who loved you first. 1 John 4 says, Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. Did you catch that? Not for him, not with him, through him. He's the power source. In verse 10, this is love. Not that we loved God, it doesn't come from us, but that he loved us and sent his son as atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, 
we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. You see, God's love that's poured into us has two purposes, to fill us and to fuel us for deployment. And just like every fruit that grows on a tree holds both the fulfillment of its purpose and the seeds for new beginnings, that's how God creates. Love isn't just meant to be received as a static thing, but also given. Because strangely enough, that's how it grows. That's how his love fills our lives with holy satisfaction when we see God's love not only in us, but also flow through us. And love is one of the few things in this world that grows the more that it's given away. So if you want to experience more of God's love, look for ways to give it away to other people. Because love given away grows. And God demonstrated that first in giving Jesus to us. And Jesus demonstrates it by laying down his life for us and calling us to live that way too. In John 13, Jesus says, By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. See, your life has eternal value. You are made to be part of something that God is up to in the world and for the world and in God's own heart. In the promise of Christmas, God's love says to you, you matter to me. Who you are matters to God. You have a place and a purpose in his love. The life, the love that you live matters. But the reason why you have a king, the reason why you have a savior, the reason why you have a place and a purpose in his love is because God so loved you. And knowing that makes all the difference. In the love chapter, 1 Corinthians 13, it starts off talking about the most impressive, most purposeful actions people can take. Miracles, power, understanding the mysteries of the universe, unlocking secret knowledge, profound generosity, all things that cause people to sit up and take notice. But Paul says even actions this impressive, if they're done without love, are ultimately meaningless. Because it's not the what that actually changes people, it's the why. The most amazing thing you do will not change hearts until people know the answer to, why would you do this? And when the answer is, because you matter. Because you matter to God and to me. Our actions, whether big or small, start to take on the characteristics that reflect that why. And when they do, this is what the world sees in us. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. That's the kind of love that changes things. Is that the love you're showing the world? Remember what I said a minute ago about how even our most beautiful aspirations end up feeling oppressive? <laughs> 
Every time I read these words, I have the same experience. It starts out pure joy, so beautiful. And the longer this list goes, the more I see where my actions don't measure up. And by the time we get to the end, love never fails. I know without a doubt, this list does not describe me. <laughs> and what started out as joy ends up in personal conviction every single time. <laughs> out of his love, Jesus calls us to love. That's our mission. And we clearly can't live it out perfectly. But the moment you realize that, beloved, do not pass go. Do not collect $200. Go immediately back to truth number two. Salvation doesn't come from us. Because the truth is, even on your best day, this list will not completely describe you, but it's not meant to. This is a description of love. You, my friends, are not love. You are human beings who are called to live in love. Only God is love. He is the only one who never fails. And our calling is not to point people to us, but to him. This beautiful description of sacrificial faithfulness, of the one who always sees the good and in seeing it brings it into being. That's who he is. That's your savior, your king. That is the grace, one on the cross for you. His love never fails. In this life, we will fail others and others will fail us and that makes for a broken world. But the one who is love will never fail to be with us even in our sorrow, our fear, our grief, to show us our story isn't over yet because he himself will bring in the new beginning for us. His love endures through pain and heartache and loss and suffering, even through death, because he went through it all for you so you can know that he will be with you there even in your darkest moment. Jesus was born into poverty into scandal, into hardship. He suffered humiliation and torture and scorn so you can know nothing is going to scare him off. If the cross couldn't budge him from his love, from his commitment to see you through, nothing ever will. His love is not a pretty love. It's a gritty one. It holds on. You see, in Jesus Christ, our God has laid it all down in the biggest of all grand gestures to show you how much you matter to him. Love came down and pitched his tent among us, and he chose to become God with us. And he's all in. Because what parent, seeing his child drowning, wouldn't jump in to save him? That's what Jesus came to do, to take our death so he could lift us into his life. Because our God is love. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, three in one, which means our God is in himself a relationship of love, continuously giving and receiving Father to Son to Spirit. And in Jesus' sacrifice, that eternal relationship of love was opened up to make a place in that love for you and for me forever. Jesus entered this ugly world to be wounded for us so he could be the way to our healing. Because to love is to choose to be vulnerable. But there's no greater power to change the heart. And Advent reminds us of that promise. It's a season all about preparing the heart to receive afresh the hope, the peace, the love that are the gifts that God wants us to know. Love, the guest, is on the way. And he stands at the door and knocks. Will you let him in? Because knowing the one who is love will lead you into love. And in God's love, he came to transform those undeserving character number one types like you and me by his own character of self-giving, redeeming grace.
In Christmas, love says, you are not abandoned. Love always protects. Love never fails. You have a king. In Christmas, love says, salvation doesn't come from you. Love keeps no record of wrongs. You have a savior. In Christmas, love says, who you are matters to God. Love is kind, and it always trusts, hopes, and perseveres. You have a place and a purpose in his love. Because love changes things, and it even changes us. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we confess this morning, we need your love to be at work in us. Because we confess there are so many places this year in our fear, our frustration, in our pain, we've fallen into ugliness of spirit, into selfishness and self-protection rather than living out the grace you call us to show So we pray this morning, Holy Spirit, show us those places in us and in our world where we've experienced a failure to love, where we've been wounded by those around us who have failed to show us love. And in those places of woundedness or self-protection, Jesus, please bring the healing grace of your redeeming love for us. Love us, Lord, into becoming people of love. And as we seek your forgiveness, Jesus, for our own failures to love, we pray you would help us also forgive those who failed to show love to us. Give us hearts to see them with your eyes of grace. Because we want your love to grow in us and through us. And we know very well, Jesus, we don't have the power in us to do this. So remind us, Lord, we're not abandoned to the chaos. You are our king. And that in love, we've not been left to save ourselves, but you are our Savior. Because our lives truly matter to you and to your world. We want your love in us to grow. So Jesus, show off your grace to the world, even through imperfect vessels like us. And show us this week ways that you want to love the world through us. May we shine your light and in the process in this dark season be warmed by your grace. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.